Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to have as our guest, Little Lonely. So if you could change your name, would you? Artists take stage names for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes it's because their given name doesn't fit easily on a theater marquee. One might speculate that that's why Henry John Duschendorf Jr. is known to us as John Denver. Having a different name can also allow artists to create a character for themselves that gives them the freedom to explore varying music styles or gain a third-person perspective on the familiar world they inhabit in everyday life. Los Angeles is based Little Lonely. Her given name is just fine, and she has been performing under it for most of her life, stylistically sticking fairly close to a kind of performance art neo-traditionalist country music. But for her brand new pseudonymous and eponymous album, she smartly assumed a new moniker, and with the help of Wunderkind producer and multi-instrumentalist Sean Hoffman, forged a sophisticated identity that suits the strong new material. Hoffman's deft guiding hand helps Little Lonely hit all the right marks, as well as providing what Daniel Lenoir calls elements of danger that differentiate the album from countless other female singer-songwriter albums. A searing guitar solo or two, synthesizer lines that fit because they shouldn't, and ambient sound effects that give listeners a strong sense of place. But it's Little Lonely's distinctive voice that cuts through all of this, tipping a cosmic cowboy hat to torch and twang while retaining her signature theatrical emotive scope. Welcome to Independence Day, Little Lonely. Thank you for having me, Joe. It's a pleasure. And we also have, we have your wingman here tonight. We have the producer of the record, also on guitar. We have Mr. Sean Hoffman. Say hello, Sean. Hello, everybody. <laughs> everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. It's, it's getting to be late summer here in Los Angeles. You guys have got a gig to play later, so we're looking forward to hearing you play that uh, on the other side of town. So uh, that's, that's a pretty cool thing to kind of hit two things in one night. Um, but tell me a little bit about this. You've been playing around for a pretty long time. So to, to have this kind of artistic foresight to kind of create a new character like how did this come about this little lonely character this little lonely band album name this whole media thing well the short answer to start would be how we came up with the name and I have to credit Sean with that um Sean do you want to tell them how you listen to the Art LeBeau show (laughs) 92.3 and uh people call in for uh dedications and it a lot, of, a lot of gangsters uh, call in, and they always have great names, and one of them was Little Lonely. You know, it was usually like Puppet, Little Puppet, Bam Bam, and then one day I heard Little Lonely, and I was like, well, that's a good one. Yeah. We just always kind of tucked it away and, and kept it. We'd been trying to, uh, to channel a name for some time while we were making this record, and that came about about three-quarters of the way through, and it just seemed to, it just hit me. You know, it just, I just knew it was right even though it just sounds kind of wrong, you know, it just. (laughs) But was it, was it intentional all along to have a name to become for this? It was because I think I had sort of um, reached a point playing under my name, my given name that I just, I was ready to give the music and to give the listeners something a little bit more as a framework. And coming from a place of having done the whole Bitsy Lee thing, which is a, a past character that I yeah, came up with in college. pseudonymous name you had. Yes. And it was very different because I did put on a character for her. I wrote her, her character like she was a, right out of a script. And I wrote songs 
based on how I thought she would experience her life. And um, so this was a new way to explore that. But I really wanted to, instead of become someone else, I wanted to become more of myself, you know, for people. And I think that I owe that to people. If I'm going to ask them to listen to my music, that I need to give them 100% me. Like, I just can't keep any of it behind. And somehow that name just struck me because I think so so many times as a, as an artist and and just as anybody who who um who relies on music to get through their day whatever it is sitting in traffic a breakup whatever gardening i mean <laughs> there, yeah. the, music is so much mood and atmosphere um i just i i i owed it to them to give them a little bit more of a framework and i think it's a state of mind yeah definitely well there's a Artists frequently do this to provide themselves with another s- set of like skin to step into. Mm-hmm. You know, there, you've got your Bono, you've got the Sting, you know, you've got people who, you know, are outsized personalities who um, kind of that allow, like I said, allows them to kind of approach even their own life from a different perspective, and it gives them another skin to walk around in, another pair of glasses to look at the world through. Um, and people, there's there's a line. It's funny, you know, music kind of ebbs and flows in terms of. Uh, performance being an actual performance like for for a while uh, you know it was people would go on stage like the grunge era like it was very uncouth to go on stage uncool to go on stage as anything other than yourself you got to dress like you just woke up Mm -hmm. you know and then in certain kinds of rock music or in punk music it's that ethos where you you are yourself the same all the times you know like the Ramones I imagine Joey Ramone looks like that when he's ordering eggs at Denny's right? Yeah. <laughs> but then there's other artists, you know, like Tom Waits, for example, although he may dress like that when he goes to <laughs> Farm and Fleet <laughs> or whatever he does. But uh, they have this persona that when they go on stage, it's they assume a position, you know, and it's, it's a performance. And that's something that's sometimes missing in some people's artists. And even myself, when I think about it, like, you know, I prefer to be me wherever I go. But then you got to remember, you're performing for people. You actually do have an accountability to deliver something, like you said. You you really do, and Sean and I we really have the same philosophy on this. Like, if if your audience is not thoroughly entertained, you're the one at fault. You know, you've got yeah. you've got to deliver it. Um, if you're going to ask people to come out and take a listen to what you've been working on, it's got to be something that taps into something that's universal for them. And I feel like. Um, so many people have a feeling of, and what I try and tap into with Little Lonely, with the music, is, is a feeling of uh, being left out, being an outsider. Um, in essence, being alone but around other people, if that makes sense. You know? Yeah. Just that kind of, um, it's a lonely existence, but it's actually shared. We all have yeah. that feeling. And well, it's the universal human condition right that even though we may be surrounded by people in a city like los angeles or new york where there's a ton of people around the subway or on a bus um we really are only inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. looking out at all this sort of things like you nobody knows what's going on in everyone else's head at all the time all the time right you know so you think that you know because it's a shared human condition thing and that's what we're all that's we're all trying to reach as artists you know um (laughs) <laughs> but it's it can be this is really heady like we've dived into the deep end of the pool right off yeah, the bat right. here. Yeah, <laughs> right. Let's not waste any time. Get right to it. But it's 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 a kind of self-awareness as as a performer that you are performing. You know, having a little bit of respect for it and you know, I come from Chicago where it's very, you know, to to wear the kinds of shirts that I wear in Los Angeles 
is weird. <laughs> you know, I remember the first time I went home after I'd been out here for a few years and I had, uh, I had my boots on and people are like, oh man, he's like on all LA. And it's like, you know, <laughs> man, you know, I've just discovered what, I'm, you know, I'm a performer. Like it's part of, it was always there. Right. You know, it's just here. It's uncool to be anything other than like a blue collar, you know, third shift worker at the factory. So <laughs> anyway, I mean, I love that about L.A. Do you like that about L.A.? I do. I am. I'm constantly inspired by just the endless flood of kids that get off the bus in Hollywood. And yeah. they just, you know, they're here for whatever ambition or passion it is that they're, yeah. they're after. And I, I, I'm totally fueled by it. I love that. Yeah, because neither of you, none of us in this room are actually LA, na- LA natives. No. That's correct. No. So, yeah, we, we all bring these different things to this big melting pot of the city. You know, and our guest last week was Tom Freund. He's an excellent, excellent musician. And he lives in Venice. And it's like, I feel like <laughs> all the kooky people like the closer you get to the ocean, they like kind of pile up almost. <laughs> I lived in, I lived in Venice briefly. I, I know what you're talking about. You know, and <laughs> I, I keep, I've been thinking about this ever since last week when we we, we had him on, and it's just true. Like they, they congregate by the water. You know, I don't know if I can. Yeah. I like it over there, but I, I don't know if I can live over there. I like it, but there's an energy dark. there that's kind of spooky. That's yeah. because there's a lot of uh, children of wealthy people that never that don't really have to work much. There's a lot of them. I've yeah. met a lot of them, and uh, they get. They get caught up in monkey business out there. It yeah. gets a little dark. Yeah, more money than brains. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of them are actually pretty smart. They just uh, they just get into a weird path because they don't they they don't have a, a fire lit under them to uh, to go work. Yeah. So you run into some people that uh, pick up some bad habits out there. Yeah. Hey, Westsiders, we're talking to you. But it's don't, beautiful. Don't key my car the next time I come over <laughs> of there, course, okay? we're generalizing. <laughs> we're generalizing. Yeah, you know, that's true because there is a, another great scene of, of musicians out there too. So, But, well, you know what, though? We're all part of this. I was yeah. drawn to California for the same reason. I love reason. the whole city. Yeah, so. I, I just didn't make it quite as far west. Yeah, I was drawn to Venice for the same reason. You know, I live there. I love all parts. I was just riding my bike through Hollywood the other day. It's beautiful. It's strange. It's incredibly diverse. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. I love, I love the, it. I love the freaky people out here. Yeah, I it's love It's fascinating. It. People watching Town of dreamers, you know, everybody had a yeah. dream. And you also have to, you have to admit that some of the most interesting people you've ever met have been in Los Angeles. I've met some very driven people, some very smart people, it's, you know, entertainers and dreamers. It's, it's a wonderful place to be. Uh, I agree. So we should send this to like the L.A. Uh, Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so come to Los Angeles. Actually, you know what? I've gotten to the habit of telling people it's terrible here. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't need any more people. Yeah, it's kind of no. like Iceland, you know. It's like, oh, it's cold here. It's Iceland. You don't want to come. No, Go to Greenland. We, unless we come up with some other answer for public transportation yeah people always take their shots at los angeles like on yahoo we're always on the lowest like list i love it it's great though because otherwise there would just be a billion people here it'd be like it'd be like mexico city times two with like the population would be insane (laughs) so stay away anyway our guest tonight little lonely so very happy to have her her as the person that she is she's a band she's a person she's a multi you're a mere media uh conglomerate i think okay looking at well looking at all the websites you've got i mean look check this out (laughs) You've got LittleLonely.com. kind of a shotgun. <laughs> Facebook.com <laughs> slash LittleLonely. Twitter.com slash LittleLonely. Is there an extra underscore at the end of that? Or is that a little, just a typo? My Twitter handle is, is just wacky. It's it's little underscore lonely underscore. Yeah, you have a, you have a, a vestigial <laughs> underscore on your Twitter handle. But I have also, to tell you, I'm flirting with all of them, but so, the main ones are Facebook and Twitter and my, my website. But continue on through the list. Yeah, well, you've, well, I mean, I'll just, you've got YouTube, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Tumblr, and Instagram. So you are a multimedia conglomerate. But do you know what? I was so averse to social media like five minutes ago. And um, so I just thought, I'm just going to try everything, and then I'm going to yeah. see which one fits 
What's... quite naturally, and and I have I have eased into it, and now I'm I'm much more with it. Like I, it's just. It's comfortable now, yeah. but it was really alien to me at first. I say this almost every week on the show. You can use its power for good, or you can use its power for evil. <laughs> so go forth and use its power for good. <laughs> so let's listen to some of the music from this new record. We've been kind of yammering and yammering about what, uh, why you've created this name uh, to go forward with this music. But I want to give people something to listen to. This is the track Button Willow. The record is called Little Lonely. came out back in June. You can find it at all the usual retailers and at shows, correct? Yes. Okay, so uh, anything about this song you want to say before we listen? Do you think people should be listening for? Well, I would like to point out that this is a co-write uh, with Sean. And okay. we, we uh, put it together kind of at the tail end of our, our um, time together on this record. And I feel like with every record, there's a song that's an open door to the next record, and that's Button Willow. Ah, setting the stage. Yeah. Very nice. Okay, so this is the band Little Lonely, the woman Little Lonely. I'm very happy to have her as my guest here on Independence Day. Button Willow from Little Lonely. Singing on the loudspeaker Crystal Gale's greatest is Always in stock U-Hauls full of zombies and tweakers Broken families and minivans Who never talk Brochures slinging greenhorn cavern The minibar's empty And the room smells of mates Hop the East Road to Foxy Lady Tavern Where conversations turn to UFOs in outer space Button Willow Button
Little Lonely on Independence Day. You can check them out at littlelonely.com. Pretty much if you do a search for Little Lonely and every single social media outlet, you will find them one way or another. They've got Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and many, many others. And of course, if you want to learn about our show, drop by indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Follow us on Twitter at indepday and visit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash indepday. That's a lot of slashes and dots and Ws, man. Now that we've got all the house cleaning out of the way, we will talk more with Little Lonely about this brand new record she's made. And it's pretty stunning. I dig it. Thank you. It's got a, it's got a definite definite like sense of place, uh, uh, a sense of, of I don't say style. I don't mean like clothing style, but it's good. it fits into a it kind of fits into a say fits into a box, but that sounds bad. But it fits properly into the box that it should be in at the same time that you can't keep it in that box. Does that make any sense? Maybe it totally makes sense. I mean, we we started with what fourteen songs and we we cut it down. Yeah. To mm-hmm. ten plus the. Uh, the atmospheric track at the yeah. end, old US 40. And um, we just, these are the songs that fit together, you know? I, I think that it's hard when you when you put together, a lot of these songs are older songs. Some of them are, are really fresh. And so it's it's hard to meld the two, Yeah, you know, my life then and my life now. <laughs> uh, but 
I had a child <laughs> like right in there too. So as a parent, like my, my whole perspective yeah. on the world, my whole just axis shifted. But um, there's something about Sean. I, <laughs> I stalked the band that he was playing in, the, the Larks, pretty much. <laughs> and I just knew starting off that watching him play guitar, that I knew he would have the kind of sensibility that would work for my record. And it was really just about me getting that telepathic message to him. And I knew that if I could do that, that we could do something that would feel like, you know, my, my best self yeah. on a record. Yeah, so. talk to me a little bit about, I, I get the impression there's kind of a vision. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's kind of two ways to go about doing a record that I see. Like you just kind of go in with your songs and you kind of let it happen organically. And there's a certain amount of that with every record because every record kind of takes on a life of its own. You know, it kind of pulls you a little bit this way or a little bit that way, even though you didn't might not have intended that. But then the other way is to go in with like this grand vision. Like the, uh, I mean, not so much as like King Crimson where you've got everything <laughs> like a whole like you know, a narrative mapped out, but you have like you want to create an art like an album that has a sense of space or fits into this style or has a lot of tremolo or whatever. I mean, there, it seems to me like there was a vision for this. Am I correct? Definitely. Um, w- one of the things that struck me about Sean when I met him was that he he said, and I knew this is this was the reason I, I knew that we should collaborate. He said, "I want to make." <laughs> I hope it's okay that I tell him. No, I, I... <laughs> he said, "I want to make art that devastates people." And <laughs> people just don't say that, yeah. the kind of thing anymore. They don't let themselves believe to that degree anymore. And when I heard him say that, I I knew that he, and, and plus just listening to his work with Lock and Key, his own band, um, I just knew that he would have the right touch. And he really is, watching him work in the studio, he really is like a painter. When you watch him come up with those synth parts and those... Um, horn arrangements and everything. He's just, he really gives it a lot of thought. So did you, I mean, but whose vision, was this a vision that you created together? Did you approach Sean and say, hey, I've got this vision and I want it to be like this? I did, actually. I told him I had a lullaby and I wanted to do a record of lullabies. And that's not at all where we went with it. But what happened was it opened the door to the conversation. And um, I just brought a he said, "Well, yeah, we can get in. We can get into this, you know, maybe later in the spring or something." And I said, "How about next Tuesday? You know, I, I'd like to get going on this." <laughs> and um, I just brought in all my songs. I kind of wanted to know if he liked the music. I, yeah. I just wanted to gauge if he liked my music enough to to want to really do like a mind meld <laughs> on the music and make it a thing that we could both be proud of. And so I brought them in to him, and we just did a bunch of scratch tracks, and and then uh, we just started building them from there. And I could I could tell. Where did what do we start with? Just um, after... a song that didn't even make it on the record. That's the first oh, one we okay. started with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we got a few of those that just sort of took a different shape, and they it was clear they weren't going to be part of this group. Um. You, what, what's your process? You it's been too long now. What what. Well, ultimately, we I, f- I felt like when I had seen you play before, I had figured out that, oh, she's really good, and she's a really good storyteller, but I can't hear her because her band plays over her. You know, the band was always too loud, you know, so I could never hear her. And what happens when you do bands with, like, friends is you get a bunch of people together that like you but don't necessarily 
want to do what you're doing. Like one guy has a vision of being in a ska band. Another oh, guy yeah. has a vision of being in the a metal band. The drummer thinks he's yeah. Neil Peart. So you have these guys that are all, that are all just kind of doing their thing and it just wasn't, it wasn't blending. They're all good in their, in their own, you know, what they did, but it just wasn't working for Julie. And I was just thinking like, well, what I would do is this and the record is what I would do. <laughs> he would see me play and he afterwards I, I I always would kind of like you know sort of like move over close to Sean and Layla and like see what this guy had to say about the set <laughs> and Sean said um you know I really like it when you play the the soft songs like when you do the slow songs and uh I could tell that he was really into dynamics and I am I'm really big into dynamics so um I trusted him to bring in the right people, and he he did. He he completely delivered on this record. Yeah. How about some live music in the studio right now? Right now? Right now, this very oh. second. Like you talked about next Tuesday before, but now I'm going to cut that even closer. Like oh, how about how okay. about a song? I like your style. Yes, I like the it. cut of your jib. <laughs> so tell, what are you guys going to play first for us? We're going to do the one that um, we did a video for, and it's called Top Stare. Okay. And you got to check out the video. It's pretty sinister. I have checked out the video. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. It's on the YouTube channel. Are you afraid of us? It's on the YouTube channel. Well, I know all of you, so I'm not <laughs> terribly afraid. Um, but it's on the YouTube channel. You should check it out. It's really, really dumb. When we come back, I want to talk about the video because there's a whole different way of doing videos. People are doing videos nowadays. So very happy to have Little Lonely in our studio tonight. They're going to play a song for us, and here we go. Thank you. 
anything in my sleep Pray the Lord for my soul to keep He'll wash away my sin and I'll swear that you'll never No, no, never Top stay. Little lonely here on Independence Day. That sounds fantastic, haunting, quiet. I've got a thing for quiet music, man. Great. I really We're in do. the right place. I love it. It's so great. I mean, you can, you're so like stripped bare mm-hmm. when you're playing quiet. Like it's young musicians, like they play loud, they play fast, but that kind of stuff covers up a lot of bad musicianship and mistakes and lack of skill, I think. So, you know, the hallmark of a good musician is A, someone who knows what not to play, and B, someone who's capable of playing quietly and playing well. So kudos. Well, thank you. Very, Thank very you, nice. and Lord knows it's extremely quiet in a radio studio. Yes, <laughs> it's the it most is. quiet. You can hear your heartbeat in your head. Yeah, it's like an anechoic chamber in here, man. I, there are times when I go into radio studios, I wish I could sleep in them because <laughs> it's so quiet. Like the really, the really hardcore studios have floated floors, which means they build the room oh, yeah. so yeah. that they, it's like a room within a room that's sitting. Says the room, the room is, you're in is essentially floating. Yeah, and it's so quiet that you can like you can hear blood in your head. Yeah, and you can hear your own heartbeat sometimes, and I I just love that. I mean, some people Very would freak them out. Very weird my stomach growling. Yeah, exactly. So good times. Good times in radio. <laughs> so, but that's, I mean, that's great. I mean, this record is fantastic. You can pick it up all the, are you, I guess, on CD Baby or yeah, Amazon, all those kinds of places? Yeah. Okay, so pick, pick the record up. It's good. Came out in June. And I heard you're doing some vinyl. Is that correct? That is. Yeah. Yeah. I love vinyl. Vinyl, vinyl good. <laughs> but you guys recorded this. Now, Sean, this is kind of for you a little bit. You guys recorded this digitally, correct? It was done digital. And... Uh, we're going to still do it on vinyl, though. You know, I don't think it's going to take away from it too much. But we did do it digital. It was totally digital. I don't have a tape machine. So. Yeah. Well, we've reached a point where, you know, it's almost counterintuitive. People are doing, or they're pressing vinyl out of albums they recorded digitally, which I'm not saying is a faux pas, but it's just, it seems kind of strange in terms of music. Because, you know, remember when CDs first came out, I remember Brothers in Arms, the Dire Straits record, was the first record. They used to little put a little code on the record that said, like, DDD or ADD, and it stood for, like, recording, mixing, and tr- and mastering in analog or digital. So you mm-hmm. could have different combinations of said. And I remember that was the first one was like DDD, digital, digital, digital. And everybody's like, ooh, it's a fully digital album, you know? So now yours, I guess, would be DDA <laughs> right. if you go to vinyl. I think part of that is there's just such a – there's a lot of people that have turntables and are into that kind of stuff, and we want to do something for yeah. them. I will say though, in the f- in the future, when you do high res uh, digital recording, it sounds very similar to tape. Yeah. You know, you can when you do the transfer to vinyl, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, I wonder really if does. I wonder what Neil Young thinks about this whole thing. He I'm pretty sure he would say guy. no way because he has his hands <laughs> on like the best you know gear ever. Yeah. But it's just not feasible for uh, most of us to have tape machines. Tape is really expensive. It's yeah. tough. The machines break down a lot. You have to have a tech. You have to know a tech. And nobody knows how to run them anymore. That's yeah. the sad thing. I was just having a discussion with a dear friend of mine at the pub on Sunday about that very topic. We were guys that knew how to do that, and now they're gone. Anyway, Julie, back to you. 
Yes. Little lonely. Now I've, I've revealed your name to the world. People know I've, who you are. I've been outed. Yes. <laughs> yes. You've been because you've been doing music for a long time. Um, talk to me about this video because it's oh, yeah. it's it's cool and it's haunting. And Sean and his partner in Lock and Key and in Life, Layla, is in this as well. My fiance. His fiance. <laughs> Congratulations to you. So tell me, I mean, who came up with the idea for the the video? How did it come up, Sean? Because I know that you came up with the the. I don't remember to be honest. We'll say it was it was a collaboration also. It, yeah, I I just can't remember how the conversation came about, but I'm in love with the idea of people shooting things on iPhones or anything similar yeah. because there's so many great videos that kids are doing now and I wish it was available for me. And yeah. I was like I was like, "What's what's use it? What's we don't need any big fancy cameras. Let's just go yeah. out there and shoot, you know, let's do a clever script and uh shoot it." You what know? did you shoot this on? On an iPhone. On an iPhone, the whole yes. thing. Yes. And I'm kind of a fan of when you get an idea, you just do something. Because if you wait around to have the right gear, it's just that the window is going to close on yeah. you. And I knew that I wanted to make something that was inspired by this um, Polanski movie, Repulsion. I don't know if you know that movie. but um, And so with that as kind of a background, and, and then... Sean and I love like old ZZ Top videos. And then he mentioned. <laughs> there were no spinning guitars in this video. I didn't see any spinning guitars. Well, uh, you well, didn't. Couldn't afford it. Layla didn't have ankle socks on, but yeah. she was wearing red pumps. But <laughs> anyway, he, I think it was Sean, I, Sean's idea to have Layla be this handy person around the house. And it's this love triangle. And I knew I wanted, to, I desperately wanted to try food styling. So, <laughs> and it's amazing. It's just There's your catering I've budget right there. To do. Um, so, uh, and and I just didn't know they were going to be such good sports about doing it. It was a full day, and my sister-in-law, Wonder Bright, she's an astrologer, so that sort of explains her name. Um, she is also extremely talented as a photographer and just a visual artist, and and she's not really pursuing it, um, but. In fact, she just gave a lecture at an astrology conference. She she, she just kind of does it on the side, but she's so good that I really think she needs to start doing it professionally. So she's always the one who comes up with the amazing shot, like the one of Layla pushing the lawnmower across the grass. Like, I'm very good about facilitating. I need these shots so that I can edit, you know, the end result. And then she comes up with these most gorgeous compositions and... Sean has a, a natural acting ability, uh, totally natural. And it's my first time. <laughs> and we just had a lot of fun with it. You know, yeah. I, I like to do I like to do a narrative in the vid- within the video that is layered upon the narrative in, in the song, but doesn't match the narrative in the song, but kind of matches the sentiment, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, and I I shot another one with wonder. These guys were not involved with that one, but it's for Penny's first available for the opening track, and I'm trying to ed- edit that thing. Are you editing them yourself? Yes. And what are you using? That's just like inside just, baseball, but just iMovie. iMovie. That's <laughs> yeah, just, see, that's really this, this blows my mind to Sean's point from a few minutes ago. Like once upon a time, you know, when videos first burst upon the scene in the '80s, I mean, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars, and trucks, and catering budgets, and wardrobe, and makeup. Mm-hmm. and sound and sound people and mixing and it was like shooting a little movie or a little tv show which is essentially what they are but now the technology has empowered us and we can do all these things on a phone and iMovie that comes with your computer you know you don't even need to go buy final cut pro or or whatever it's, it is now right you know? uh it's so it's put the focus i was thinking about because technology is this, this cross-cut saw like it's 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 kind of done bad things to our industry and it's also done some really great things but 
it's really forced us because I mean, what it, what is our industry except a creative industry? And these the inundation of all these people and the inundation of technology, proliferation of technology has forced us to be creative, to be different mm-hmm. within that. And we have the tools, but like to your point, we just we just have to come up with it and do it. It's right yes. there all the time. Well, and the, that DIY aesthetic yeah. is, is really, it's embraced, you know. Um, I'm not trying to pass this off as anything professional. <laughs> well, the lines are blurred there, too, because yeah. what, what's the most popular shows on TV are reality shows, right. per, per se, with little air quotes. But, you know, they're intentionally shot shoddily to make it, even, even the ones that are professionally shot are made to be shot crappily to make right. it look like they're they're done on people's iPhones. Yeah. I just think it's important to catch a moment in time when the um the urge strikes you to create something. Yeah. Because if you wait for the right timing, it's just going to pass. It's yeah. you're not going to get it done. Strike and while the iron's hot. Absolutely. So they say. I have the phone's in your pocket, man. Just go shoot a video. Yeah, just shoot it. I I I think that you lose really you lose great stuff if you if you People try and prepare quality. too much. People forgive quality if it's a good story and if it's yeah. a good script. I think about how many bad recordings I had as a kid of punk bands and what have you, and I, I, it didn't even matter to me what preamps they were using or anything. Yeah. It was just I, I dug the tunes. Well, and if they had the passion and they were bringing sure. it, you know, <laughs> yeah, that counts for so much. Yeah, the the, the the creativity comes through. You know, I think I got to this to your point, the same thing. You know, Camper Van Beethoven's you know Key Lime Pie, which was their biggest record they did before they split up. Uh, as an example, I can think of that. I mean, that was like a major label thing for them, but it was still done on the cheap. And I, I, I love it. I love the way it sounds. It sounds exactly like it should sound, you know. And it, it, again, the creativity is the most important thing. That shines through regardless. Yeah, the only piece of advice I could ever give anyone out there is don't let the equipment ever be a barrier. If you if you can record on a garage band and make a record that way, make it. You know, don't yeah. worry about sitting around saving up the money or any of that kind of stuff. Just go out and do it. And you know maybe raise money next time, but you shouldn't let it. You shouldn't let it get in the way because you can do something pretty good. I heard a girl do a, a record on a laptop singing into her MacBook Pro, into GarageBand, and it sounded great. Yeah. So. Well, in the history of art, it was our limitations that made things creative. Yeah. You know, we look back. I mean, people like to talk about you know the Beatles did their records, early records on a four track, um, and that may be the case. Now, granted, they had Neumann mics and. Top-notch stuff. It was down to four tracks, but they had however many line mixes into four tracks. Exactly. Yeah. They had, you know, the, so it was not a fair analogy, yeah. but they did do what they did on four tracks, and That's it forced true. them to be more creative. The same way when I was in high school, we had those little cassette four tracks. That's all we had. So if you wanted to do more than four tracks, you had to take, it was called bouncing. Bounce it, yeah. And you would take the three and record them down to one and sing a new track along with it. You know who did something like this on his own it was Tom Petty. He had two cassette boom boxes when he was a kid. And he would record just back and forth between one and two, just adding parts one at a time until the end was just a howl of noise and tape hiss. Yeah, but he did yeah. it, you know. It was our limitations that, that make it creative. Anyway, I'm yabbering too much. Let's hear some more music. How about, how about some more music? Sure. We're going to do uh, Carnival King. Carnival King. This is also from the new record. Everything's going to be from the new record. Is that correct? Everything is. Okay. So this is uh, a Little Lonely. Very, very happy to have them on Independence Day mm-hmm. with a track from their record that you should go buy. Little Lonely on Independence Day. You know what time it is, time to gather in town Trading candy corn for a stuffed tiger and running away from the clown You know he's looking at you for his next big laugh 
So you let him make you butt of his joke and you take it like a man. It's like that. Just trying to get to know you. It's like that. It's like that. Dark clouds fill the air with doom and ions and blanket the moon. So you cling to your spot in the beer garden. You got new friends all around you, all the colors, and the noises fill your head like a broken dream with a beginning and a middle. Can't remember the ending. It's like that. Just trying to get to know you. It's like that. You can build it, sell it just to tear it down. Like no one around. It's like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's like. And they bring down all the lights Shut the windows on the concession And let the drunks loose on the night And the once trampled ground Is finally still under the moon And the beating of my heart It's all I'm sure of Cause this carnival it's tearing down It's like that Just trying to get to know you It's like that You can build it and sell it just to tear it down Like no one around It's like that Yeah, yeah, yeah It's like that It's like Time it is, time to gather in town. But this time, you're not gonna get swept. <sighs> Once again, Little Lonely and Independence Day, so very happy to have her slash them. We've got her and her wingman, Sean Hoffman, produced the record. Excellent job producing the record, by the way, Mr. Oh, thank Hoffman. you. Sounds Thanks great. Thanks so much. Um, so you've been doing music for a pretty long time, you know, under a various number of names. You've done theater, too, as well? No. No theater? No. Interesting, because you have, you have a very theatrical uh, approach to music, the way you approach it as an entertainment uh, yeah, medium. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I'm not, I can't really explain that. I didn't go to the theater as a kid or anything. It's just not something that my parents did. Yeah. Well, um, you, but you've been doing it for a long time. Yes. I mean, a pretty long time. How has it changed, you know, being a woman doing music in, in the new millennium? How has it changed in your lifetime? 
Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, at one point it was like they were finding a woman in a band. I mean, there were women who were singers, uh-huh. you know, but then now it's very, very common to see bands that have mixed genders huh. in the band, you know. I don't know. I, I never thought of it as being uncommon as a child or a young woman. Because, and I think that's because I was focusing on the female singers. And so um, those are the voices that I grew up listening to um, at my grandparents' bar. We had a, they had a, a jukebox, and my cousins and I would sort of trade 45s in the back room. And I was really always into, I was drawn to like Kitty Wells, Connie Francis, Tammy Wynette, all these, you know, just beautiful female, clear, crystalline voices where you could hear the words, you could hear the lyrics. And those were the ones I was really paying attention to. So I don't think I had it in my head that, that, um, that there was a shortage of that at that well, time. I, I guess I don't mean so much female. There's always been, you know, female front women uh-huh. of bands who were, you know, Patsy Cline, they go back to time immemorial. Um, I guess just being in bands, how was, I mean, how does that change? Because it's, you know, <laughs> I hope this doesn't sound terrible or sexist or anything, but it can be a pretty rough environment going into a bar or trying to get oh, booked, yeah. sh- shows booked or, uh, you know, sometimes you get put on bills with metal bands or punk bands or whatever. And not totally. that chicks can't do these things either because they totally can but it's, I feel like this, it's just like everything else has changed. That's kind of changed, too. I just want to know what your inside experience is Yeah, like. I guess I know what you mean. I do I, – I mean, it's a man's world. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> it really is, and it still is, you know. Um, and I, I'm sure that it's changed for the better over the years. And I've been treated with nothing but respect in, in that realm. I've, I've worked with some great booking people. Um, and – and I've had a lot of respect from the people I've played with, the players I've played with. Um, but there's also there's this whole community over here where it's like chick music. Yeah. You know? And so that tells me that something is still a little wobbly, you know, yeah. with the, um, with the, on the equality tip. And I don't quite know what that is, you know? But I think it just, honestly, I think it just comes down to community, you know? It just so happens that... There's uh, that you get this chick chick rock or chick music where you have a lot of women converging on all sorts of different topics and music happens to be a shared passion and the same is true for dudes you know <laughs> but um, chicks and dudes chicks and dudes but yeah I I would like to see them come together a little bit a little bit more like yeah. in kind of a more interwoven fashion yeah in some ways it seems like we've come so very far uh-huh. and in other ways it feels like we haven't come very far at all yeah you know? i mean that's that's the impression i get when i think about it when i when i look at the music business as such like and it's never been as integrated as it is it hasn't and i think it might come down to the genre too like i, th- I think there may be a, a a point of difference there and i only say that because recently i uh, my husband's a, a screenwriter director and we embarked on a project, a collaborative project, doing a documentary about a, a hip-hop artist, and she's in her early 20s, um, totally, like, white girl lesbian in her early 20s <laughs> doing rap. And she she wins rap battles in Oakland. I mean, this girl is just a powerhouse. And I went to see her do um, a performance downtown, and all the guys turned out. 
and I was talking to the promoter, and he said, "Oh yeah, all the guys come out to support." It was a it was an all female rap night, and the audience was full of guys. They were there to support, you know, that night, and I thought that was really cool. You know, I I don't know that we, I don't know that we see that very often. Yeah. You know, with that kind of support, cross gender support. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about more music? Oh please, I don't like to talk about gender equality. Oh, it's well, that could be a that, that could be a show unto itself. <laughs> it really could. We could just go on and on. I mean, I could start a whole new show. I could just I, I could mothball Independence Day and just talk about those touchy issues. But you know what? There's plenty of shows talking about that too. I don't need oh, to go there. Oh, for sure. Anyway, so is about another tune from the new record, I think. This is Interstate Hum, and I wrote it about the town I grew up in, which is about 40 minutes east of Kansas City, off of I-70. Hmm, the middle America. Yes. Flyover states. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Little lonely on Independence Day. Ice cubes squeeze, popping my glass. The heat sure got to me today. They're calling for a storm, come rolling in, come on clouds and stay. Passing on through my town Passing on through my town Storm clouds are rolling in And they're just passing through my town Met a boy in Sunday school My friend's cousin from Topeka Looked like someone I could get to know If he were it wouldn't matter cause he's just passing through my town passing on through my town that boy in my Sunday school is just passing through my town it's your strange living in between points A and B it wasn't my destination this town just came to me I never would have picked it as a place to call home It's just a cafe, a truck stop, and a general store Where you gotta go on up the interstate Just to find a decent pair of shoes The heat is settling under my roof There's nowhere left for it to go so I draw a bath for myself Cause I gotta cool my bones So I can hear that interstate hum Outside my window Strangers passing through my town And they don't even know I can hear that old interstate hum Outside my Strangers passing through my town And they don't even know They don't know Outside my window Strangers passing through my town And they
Little Lonely. You can find out about them at littlelonely.com, also facebook.com slash littlelonely, and please drop by indepthday.com. That's our website to hear everything about all the artists we have on the show. We've had a lot of really great people. We've got some really great people coming up, and very, very happy and proud and honored to have Little Lonely added to their legion. So uh, you recently had, well, I guess recently, semi-recently, you became a mother. I did. And that must have a a huge effect, like a paradigm shift on your life. But how did that affect your music, you think? Um, I think becoming a parent makes you realize how, just how unimportant you really are. <laughs> and I say that, that that's really incredibly freeing, you know, for someone who gets trapped really in their thoughts and in the importance of, of everyday life. Um, when you have a child, you know, you've got this incredible responsibility like you just can't even you can't even explain it to someone I, I I heard it many times from friends of mine who were parents and it never really penetrated so there was something really freeing about knowing that um I guess just that the the overriding message is nothing really matters you know <laughs> nothing that I do matters that much because I have something really really important to do now and that is great for for art of all types. I mean that is a wonderful place to come when you come from when you're making art because if you can remove yourself and your ego and just your self your sense of self-importance from the mix, you can you can really communicate on a level that is much deeper than than before. So you can apply your nihilistic treatise on yeah. parenthood. You can. To art is what you're telling <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. Um so I mean but it but you were, I mean, playing before the child came. Were you playing pretty oh, yeah. regularly? And then did you just kind of take a break? And now you're stepping back in? I didn't in, or? ever really take a break. Okay. Um, I, I just, I was kind of afraid to take a break. Um, I, uh, I was mixing my demo during the time that I was pregnant. And um, so about within six months after having him, I was doing a show. In fact, I, I did a show around eight months pregnant. Yeah. And that was kind of interesting. I just, imagine. Yeah. Now, does the little one like kind of get the idea that you know mom's in a band and she's making music he and does, releasing and records? He does, and I have to tell you, my heart just melted recently when he said, "Mommy, can I be in your band?" I mean, oh man! I just, I mean, I I can't think of. And what did you say? I said, "Of course you can. As soon as you're old enough to go into uh, a bar and play with me after hour, you know, after bedtime." Isn't that that's a good yeah. different? That's a different version of yes, but right? It's it's yes, <laughs> but yeah. It's well, you can always say to a child, you know, yes, we can do that on the weekend, or right. yes, we can do that. We can go to Hawaii again next year, you know. So this is sort of like that. Yeah. Yes, but. Yes, when you Jedi mind tricks, man. It works the same with drummers. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I hear. <laughs> um, so it's changed your perspective. It's changed your perspective on music. Do you write differently? I mean, or is it different um, topics, or is it kind of the same? I write more, um, well, a lot of the new things that I've been writing are just more revealing. Like, I don't feel so protective over my past anymore. I'm I'm ready to, to write about it and just own it. And um, I don't have any... I don't. I don't feel like I have any regrets anymore. <laughs> that's just, that's a simple way to put it. Yeah. And I think that when you when you choose to not ha- have any regrets about any of your past life actions. Yeah. It just kind of opens up the floodgates. You you know you can 
I, yeah. You know I, what I mean? I do. I, I could totally use something like that in my life because I, I know what my problems are. Uh-huh. I'm very accustomed to them. They've been around a long time. I know where they hide. Like I know when they're going to come out from behind the couch and I have to kick them back in there. Right. You know, it's like I, I'm very, I, I, I'm used to them. They're the same old guys hanging around, you know? And like I think having a child would, like you said, it would render all those obsolete. Like oh, that guy would, it would, those problems would just vanish because, or maybe they wouldn't vanish, but they just don't have as much validity because now I've got a whole other set of problems that just kicked in the front door. Well, I'll tell you something that happened that's interesting is I immediately felt so sure of every decision I'd ever made because they all led me to this particular Mm -hmm. person who is the exact right child for me. And so every mistake I thought I'd made is just was all validated, you know. That I thought that was really cool when I I figured that out. I just, you know, so you have this whole thing of like self-acceptance come over you. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're going to just completely screw up. You know, you know yeah. you're going to screw up with this child. You you know you're going to. It's well, you're it human with that as as you are with everything else. Yeah. You know, the child is a project essentially. It's like a giant album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a concept album. It's a concept album. <laughs> a very real pooping, <laughs> screaming and ill-tempered concept album that will never leave. Anyway, I I I I love kids actually. I think they're fantastic. Another another benefit is you learn to do things in a much smaller window of time. Yeah. You know, you get yeah. a lot more done cuz yeah. you just don't have the time. You know what's important? Yeah. So looking forward now, you know, the child is growing and you've got this new album that just just came out. You know, so are you already working? Because he said it was a long time. This record was a, the, making this record was a long process. Have you got new songs that you've written since you started the process, or are you writing new songs now? We I mean, have, I know this record just came out, but what's right. what's next? Well, we have a few songs that we'd like to revisit from the recording um, on this record, and and we'll um, we'll conquer those and we'll put those on the next record. And then there are some other songs that I, I've um, that have come to me just in in the past year or two yeah. um, during the course of this recording uh, that are really different for me. Um, I mean, they're in the same vein, but like I said before, with the the, the vulnerability level is, is there. It's, it's just much more raw and real for me. So um, I'm excited to get those out. And then we're going to release a single later this year um, and do a, we're going to record a cover together, Sean. Oh, very nice. So we'll just kind of keep it fresh and... You keep saying hello. Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, there are no are there plans to tour or do shows out of town or does the mother yeah. does the parenthood thing kind of it does everybody approaches and it that doesn't because I I mean I don't have family living nearby but I have family tons of family back in Kansas City so if we did a tour that was based there uh, it would be a lot logistically easier we would make it a an extended family vacation the high and plains drifter tour. Them. Yeah, <laughs> we would make make the grandparents the you know the home base yeah. and, um, but I right now I'm kind of just gauging the interest in the record because with social media that's another great thing about it you can figure out who's listening and who cares and you know yeah. who's playing your record and and I think I'd like to build a tour around that interest. Yeah. You know I don't I don't want to play to empty rooms I I, I want to play where people. Yeah. you know, can get together and come out. So. Yeah, it's, it's really revolutionized the way that artists connect totally. connect with their fans on every level. I'm talking all the way from the Rolling Stones on down, you know, because us, you know, at the this level, this kind of mid-ish level where you know, we're trying to, like you said, figure out where we should play, 
Right. You know, are people listening to this? Should, is it, does it make sense to go to San Francisco and play a show? Are there people listening to the record in San Francisco? Are there people following our Twitter feed in San Francisco? And you can, you can have, it's like an overload of information, but if you can parse it out, you know, there's really valuable stuff in there that helps you find your way forward, I think. Yeah, the site the site traffic feature is really handy on the website. Yeah, I I get overwhelmed. Uh, you when can't I see look that at stuff. it too much, but but when you do, like if you really spend the time, you can you can. Yeah. It, you know, it just makes planning for the future a lot yeah, easier. Reading the digital tea leaves, as it were. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's. I don't know. It always comes down to work. It seems like for me, it always comes down to work. I'm trying to have fun with this, and it always comes down to work. It does. Yeah. It's a you have to be flexible, I think, in today's market because if you don't, the, you know, there's a music side, there's the art side, and then there's the the business end. Yeah. And you you have to be willing to flex the muscles necessary yeah. to move it forward in the business end. Because I see some just some fantastic artists who just don't have a grasp on it at all, and they're just working in bookstores and yeah. you know. They they want to I know they want to be doing it but they just don't have the first clue how and yeah I, I think it's easy to get overwhelmed oh completely I'm overwhelmed every day now by we it. you know we're the things that I do I spend much more time doing the things that are supposed to be promoting my show or my music than I do actually doing the music itself you know and that's the that's like the wall you have to break through is getting that point where you know everyone likes to think they've got a staff of people you go do social media and you go book the tour and then you go get us some tacos or whatever Mm -hmm. you know but it's all us now it's really all all on us because you're really running a business yeah you know yeah poorly i am (laughs) (laughs) how about one more song before we run out of time sure this is all night and this is about this is inspired by my mom Mm, mom's about (laughs) the coolest thing on the planet she is i miss my mom she's out there somewhere listening i hope love you mom Little Lonely and Independence Day with a song about her mother. Will I be the one to tell you when your time is running out? You're gonna wear out and your words will fall out They won't mean what you mean to say Will I be the one to be your voice When you wanna call out Tell everyone to gather round and keep your dignity bound When the light turns to shadow Here I go again, change and rearrange in the way I like to go down. And here I go again, visit and revisit in the way I think goodbye should sound. You can go again, cause you've got some big ideas in your head bouncing around. So tell me your story, much more importantly, tell it to me again. I got all night, all night, I got all night, all night, I've got all night, I got all night. 
when you get that taste in your mouth and you hesitate and the lights begin to illuminate all you've lived for heaven or hell come heaven or hell Joe Armstrong, and she is Little Lonely, and that was a very, very nice song. Thank you. Very, very happy to have you guys in our studio. So we talked about what's coming up next. We've got a show later tonight, um, soon to be other shows Yes. coming up. Everybody should go pick up your record at all the usual online retailers, and at shows. Removes the overhead if you get it at shows. I always tell people, I chide them, buy <laughs> records at shows. Definitely. Because then the artist, if you want to support the artist, that's like one of the best ways. Yes. Even buy a shirt for God's sakes, you know. You have, you don't have we shirts. have shirts. You have shirts. Yes, that's so cool. We've got some amazing shirts with the the artwork from the album, which is my brother's a painter. He's an incredible artist, and he did the artwork for the album. It's a painting I have hanging in my living room, actually. It's a family affair. <laughs> it is. I love it. My brother took the picture that it was on the cover of my last record. Cool. Love it. I love having. You know, I love having people you love involved in these types of projects. It's really, what's it all about? It's about love. Yeah. Ray Bradbury's birthday was just last week. He taught me about that life, life should be creativity and love. And every day I try to live up to that. That is, that's totally profound. <laughs> I'm going to take that with me tonight, Jim. Please do. Please do. Ray Bradbury, <laughs> I miss that guy. I miss that guy. He's been gone for about a, just over a year now. I miss him every day. You know, I didn't call him all the time, but no. he got kind of frustrated with me calling him all the time. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so very happy to have you guys. Have a great show later and then keep us abreast of when your next show is. It was such a pleasure, Joe. Thank you so much. It was was my pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. So thanks to Little Lonely and Sean Hoffman, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton, and always to Valentino Rivera from Lancer Radio. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.